There was the cry again, nearly beyond hearing, somewhere outside. Sometimes I am afraid that what I am hearing is not real, that it is something from my memory, something I have all but forgotten. Nona put a finger to her lips, smiled, cocked her head. She was ready to leave for the airport and had stopped by simply to leave me some of the pictures her patients had drawn. The carry-on bag was under her arm. But she waited, listening. She looked at me, questioningly. What is that? I experienced a feeling like relief. You mean you hear it too? I said. She laughed, but then was quiet. Something's trapped. We both listened. Our eyes met. There had been a sound for hours, a plaintive, commanding announcement of trouble, a noise that came from somewhere high above, somewhere in the wind. I wasn't sure it was real, I said. An animal's in trouble. I had been afraid to listen to it. Some part of me must have identified this frightened melody as the call of an animal, but my experience with my family and my own fears regarding the possibilities of the mind's deceit made me struggle to ignore the sound. She was already late for her flight to New Orleans, yet another medical conference. She hurried through the house, and I followed her. The afternoon sun was bright, the wet grass lush, the scent of earth everywhere. She was far ahead of me. She tossed aside her overnight bag and ran to the source of the sound, the giant ginkgo tree in the back garden. She kicked off her shoes. She gazed upward into the tree. And I knew what she was going to do. I knew it, the way I knew her laugh, her voice on the phone, her handwriting on a postcard. I took a breath to cry out to stop her. The tree had been planted before the house was built, and the house predated the 1906 earthquake that had devastated so much of San Francisco. My grandfather and my father had both lived here, and the garden was what one horticulturist had called handsomely mature. The large old tree was beside the greenhouse, and I had been forestalling too long what would have to be done. The big tree was marred by caverns where broad branches had fallen in recent winters, and although the early spring greenery flushed the tree with new life, much of it was bare and would never show leaf again. I knew enough about growing things to understand that what was slowly wearing down the magnificent tree was not disease, not insects or drought. The tree was dying, and I did not have the heart to cut it down. Don't do that, I called to her, silently. Don't think of it. Nona was climbing the grand, age-weakened tree, and it was not an easy climb. At one point she had to pause and disentangle herself from her jacket. She let the jacket drop, a scrap that resembled the outstretched arms of a woman until it collapsed on the lawn. The cat was white, far up in the branches of the old tree, and it was frightened. It called down to Nona, the source of its rescue. It knew that Nona was working her way up to help, but the cat was frightened of Nona too, frightened of everything and yet insistent. It demanded help. It will be all right, I reassured myself. Nona is that sort of person. I had seen her resuscitate a man at the airport, a bell captain who had collapsed and lay flailing and gasping. She had tossed aside this bag and a jacket like this one and saved his life.